Welcome back to Keyhole Conversations, everyone. I am Marcus, your host, and I have a very special guest with me here today that I reached out to because he is in the cybersecurity world. So he's going to give us a little bit of insight on what he does. And I'm also going to give him some questions on how we as layman folk can do better about protecting our own selves from the crazy world it is because it seems like you can still get robbed on the streets, but nowadays things are being more and more stolen through cyber means. I mean, I can't count how many times I see on like KSL and stuff like person loses $20,000 out of their bank account because cyber attack and it's gone. Um, so Michael, thank you very much for coming on the show and, uh, joining us and giving us a little bit of insight. I kind of want to talk to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of want to talk to you about what you did to get into this field. Like when you were a kid, were you really interested in computers and things of that nature? Cause you grew up in the eighties, correct? Eighties, nineties. Yeah, no, I, I, I was born in, in 83, 83. Uh, yeah. So grew up in the eighties, late eighties, nineties. Um, my dad was a programmer and so, um, he was really into computers and whatnot. Um, I wasn't as much growing up. Um, I like through high school, I, I was in a lot of wood shop, metal shop, um, auto mechanics. Um, growing up, I, I kind of wanted to be a cop. Um, but then that sort of changed. And then I was doing a lot of work on cars, um, the last few years in high school and, um, but then I decided that, well, I, I don't have any money for college. I don't have anything to, to do after high school. So, you know, I might as well join the military. And so, um, I, my sister had, had, had served, um, and I had some grandparents that, that served as well. So, um, so I went in and, um, my original job that I was supposed to get, um, was to be an F-15 avionics system apprentice. Um, but I actually caught pneumonia during basic training. And so that set me back a couple weeks and I wasn't able to get into the school for the F-15 avionics. Um, that would have been working on that actual airplane? Like on yes, the, on the F-15. Wow. That would have been pretty interesting. Yeah. I thought it would be pretty cool. Um, looking back on it now though, um, some of the, the stories I hear and of, of people that work on aircraft and being on a flight line when it's, you know, bitterly cold outside. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I didn't take that path, but. Um, so what, what path did you end up taking when you, so you graduated in 2000 and 2002, 2002. Um, so that was right. Dude, that's like nine 11, mm-hmm. like popped off right then. So you joined the air force and um, what was your first off? What was a uh, basic training like? <laughs> because uh, I mean I I know all the branches kind of talk crap on each other's like basic training and basic services because I have a uh, friend that was in the Marines and a friend that was in the Army and they were like oh yeah those Navy guys and Air Force guys get off super easy but it was still basic training right like you were screamed at yelled at or was it a little bit more toned down on the Air Force uh, side of things um, I, you know, I don't know how it is with the other services, um, with their basic training, but I mean, yeah, we were, we were yelled at, screamed at, um, constantly, uh, constantly doing PT. Um, we had to make sure everything was, was done right. Um, 
as far as like, I mean, it, just everything down to folding clothes and shining our boots and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so, I mean, it was, it was pretty tough. I wouldn't say it's the air force is easy by any means. So, yeah, I think it's just part of that, like camaraderie of service members talking crap on other service members, just to jabs and things of that nature. Um, did you choose the air force because your family had a line in the air force or did your family, um, do other branches? Um, I think my grandfather was, was army. I think, um, my sister had, had gone air force and then I wanted to, to go air force as well. So. Gotcha. So you get through basic training and then do they assign you your, like, what is it like MOS or whatever they call it? Like your actual job training after that? Yeah. Like the army calls it MOS, the air force calls it AFSC. Okay. Um, so, um, because I caught pneumonia and I, I couldn't get into the school for the F-15 avionics. Um, I actually chose a different job during basic or right at the end of basic training. Um, and that ended up being satellite communications. Oh, wow. And so that kind of got me going into the communications field and, um, just started going from there. Gotcha. So how long did you serve in the military? Um, I did six years active, six years active. And I'm guessing, I think I've seen some of your pictures online. You, were you deployed? I deployed to Iraq in 2007. Oh, wow. How is Iraq compared to good old Utah? Very hot. <laughs> <laughs> What's, what is the hottest temperature it got over in Iraq? Um, it was about 130 degrees. Whoa, 130 degrees. During the day, 100 at night. Were your quarters at least, did you guys have AC and things of that nature? Oh yeah, no, we had um, AC in our barracks. Um, there was one, I remember one particular time that uh, the the generators were, they were doing maintenance on the generators or, or something. And so we lost power in the barracks and it got up to a hundred degrees inside the barrack um, barracks. And so I ended up just going to work because I couldn't sleep. I was working nights over there, so... Oh yeah. I can't even imagine like here, uh, we were talking about this earlier that I'm like a stickler with my utility bills. So I keep it at like <laughs> 63 in the winter. And during the summer, I'm like no higher than 78. Like I'm not running my AC all the time. And even then it's mildly uncomfortable, but people who come over to my house are like, dude, how oh, can you stand it in here? It's too hot. So I can't even imagine what a hundred degrees trying to sleep. Like that would just be Almost impossible. Yeah. And the people in that area, was that culture shock going into that whole culture over there? Well, I mean, I, I didn't ever go outside the wire. So like I, I landed on al Air Base, which is about, um, I think it's like 30 miles north of Baghdad. Um, and so I, I never, never left until it was time to go home. Oh, gotcha. So, but I mean, there were um, some other third party nationals that they brought on to the base, um, to do different jobs, stuff like that. But, um, it, I don't, I don't know that it was, I don't know that they brought Iraqis on, you know, in the, in the air base itself. Yeah. So, um, what was a general day like for you in your job with these, um, satellites and things on an airbase, Like, did you, was it like a nine to five position or did you work all the time? Um, we worked 
12 hour shifts. Um, and I got one day a week that I could come in and do a half day, do a half day. Yeah. So 12s for, for six days and then one, one half day, one half day. What did you do to entertain yourself over there? Well, um, when, when everything was working and you know, like we didn't have much to do. So we, we had a lot of things that, that kept us busy. We had a bunch of movies, a bunch of TV shows. We had video games. Um, one thing that we did was we played call of duty. A lot. <laughs> That's great. So like the, the whole site would, would jump online and, and we'd all play and I'd usually get my butt kicked cause I, I wasn't, you know, near as good as some of the, some of the people were, but. Oh dude, I'm the same way. Like when I play call of duty, I I'm actually just barely kind of, getting back into gaming. Like I bought a PS five not long ago and I'm like, I can't even beat these missions on like regular. I have to be at like the easiest setting. And then I try to jump online and I'm getting my butt creamed by these 12, 13 year old kids that just totally shit talk. And just they, that must be the majority of their day because they're so good at these games and I'm so terrible. You know what? I was just playing um, not too long ago because I had uh, The Last of Us, the game. Oh, I love that game. PS4. And um, when the TV show came out, like I went back and played it again and I tried to play it on, I think it was normal. (laughs) 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 I kept, you know, kept dying. So I I eventually had to go back, knock it down a a level. So, yeah, I, um, I ended up playing that again. I had, I bought the last of us two and I beat the game. And then I was like, I'm going to try this on like the expert level. I was like, no, I can't do this. So then I like, it gives you the option of like unlimited ammo on and fully like you get everything from the beginning. If you beat it, then I was okay. Cause I had like unlimited flamethrower and everything like that. I was like, Oh, okay. I can do this. But starting that game on the hardest setting, is like impossible for me. Well, I think the, the, the normal default, like I did pretty good for most of it, but there were a couple spots where it was just like, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting frustrated. So I'm going to knock it down. No, I totally understand that. So coming back to, um, the homeland, did you get out of the military after your, um, deployment or did you stay in for a little while? Um, I was still in for just a little bit. Um, I got out at the end of 2008, so. Gotcha. Um, and then you go into the workforce and did you immediately choose to go into cybersecurity and stuff of that nature? Or did you dabble around in other things? Well, the, so my, my satellite communications in the military gave me a, a really good, um, foundation for, for starting to work in the information security field. Um, because I got to know a lot of the basics of networking and communications and all that. So, um, my first job outside of the military, I was still, contracted out to the army. So I was still around army personnel. Um, and it it was a a network engineer job. So that's how I got my foot in the door. Um, just with the, the little, the experience that I had with the military and then jumped into a network engineer role. Um, and just, I think just still being around military helped to to ease that transition back to, to civilian life. So you were like a contractor, like a private contractor with the military. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So um, when you say network engineering, like there's all of these tech jobs out there, and it's like a different language to me. So what does a network engineer do? Well, so I took care of all the the switches and routers and all that kind of stuff that were on the base. Gotcha. Um, so 
maintained them, replaced them when they needed to be replaced, um, troubleshot any any network issues that were going on, um, so that the whole base had connectivity. Gotcha. And then you decided to just keep pursuing it and get into what's the professional term? It's information information security engineer. Gotcha. And you know that that first job when I was a network engineer, they actually the the army um, the not the not the contractors, but the government workers, um, my boss on that side actually started pushing me towards getting my, uh, my certification. That's, that's called, uh, my CISSP, which is a certified information system security professional. And so he started pushing me to get that. And so I started, started to study for it and, um, I eventually went and, and took it. And I think the guys have it a lot easier now because they can just go take it on a computer. I had to take it when it was Scantron. Scantron. Oh, and those. The, the bubbles. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. those from high school where it's like you're filling it in with the number two pencil. And then, oh, I need to change my answer. And you're like, oh, no, am I going to screw it up? Because it's the marking is still there. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's like a six hour test, 200 questions. And it's. They're the kind of questions, they're, they're multiple choice, but they give you like four multiple choice that each one could be correct. And so you have to like, you have to really think about each question and each uh, multiple choice answer. And you have to think, okay, you know, what is the most correct answer or what is the answer that they're looking for? And so it's, it's a very, very hard test. Now, was that done through a college or does that certification come through some other means? Um, It's a, it's a private company that, or I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a third party certification company that, that does it. Gotcha. Called ISC Square. Oh, okay. Um, And so, but yeah, they started pushing me to get it and I studied, I went and took it and thankfully I passed on my first try. A lot of people, they'll, they'll take it, they'll fail and then they have to go take it again. Did you have to do like a practical exam as well? Like show them that you knew your way around the computer or or was it all just the multiple choice? It was all just the multiple choice. And how long did it take you to study and get ready for that exam? They actually gave me, I think I had like four three to four weeks to study for it. And so that those three to four weeks, I was doing nothing but study just for that test. Going nose to the grindstone and just, hey, no one talked to me. I'm studying for this exam. Yeah. Um, is that kind of the general route that a lot of people use to get into this? Or do people get like full-fledged degrees in? Because I always see like Facebook or Instagram, they always have those like, join this field, do this. And like a lot of them are like, get your associate's degree in information technology in two years or whatever. Is that the general way people go or do people tend to go more of these certifications and stuff? Um, I think it, it varies. Um, for me, I was already working as a network engineer and so it was easier for me to go take the test. Um, because I was already gaining experience on the job. Um, but I mean, yeah, you could certainly go and get your degree and, and do it that route, but you're not going to have the experience to back it up. So you're still going to have to start somewhere. Gotcha. So when you're doing information security, is your primary job to protect the infrastructure? Like you always see on like, um, the news, like data leak from this company, all of your data has been leaked out 
and someone hacked it and it's selling it off on the black market. So it's your job primarily to protect the infrastructure of these companies from hackers and things of that nature? Um, that's part of it. Um, so like one of the number one ways that, that hackers get in is by business email compromise. Um, and that's, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast. Um, you know, you get an email, it has a link in it, you click the link. Um, it takes you to a page that, you know, looks legit. Um, and a lot of times like for, for businesses, it'll, it'll be an email that has a a link. You click on it and goes to microsoft.com or what looks like a microsoft.com page. And it's asking for your credentials. And so, you know, the unsuspecting user, if they're not trained, if they don't have that training to say, hey, make sure you check these things before you, you know, click on a link or before you enter credentials, you know, they'll, they'll just go ahead and type their, their credentials in, hit enter. And then, um, you know, the hacker has your username and password then at that point. So that's like an open door for them into the company, like a back doorway that they can get in and start compromising the company and everything. Uh, kind of. Yeah. So, um, yeah, cause I, I fell for one of those way back when, cause I'm not going to claim to be smart in this realm. And I remember it was an Apple like email that I got and it was like, Oh, your Apple, um, account is going to be deactivated unless you change your password now. And like, so I get in there and I'm going through everything and don't even think twice about it. And like a week later, all my stuff is like hacked. Like, yep. And that's, that's one of the things you said that, you know, your, your account's going to be disabled um, unless you do something. That's one of the, the things that they'll, they'll use is they'll say, Hey, your account's going to be de- deactivated unless you do this. And, or you only have so many days to do this, you know, so they, they had, they put in like a a sense of urgency into the email to make you think, oh crap, I got to do this. Yeah. And I remember, and they're, they're getting more and more, um, educated, I guess is the word I want to say, because back in the day it was really like, I fell for that phishing email or whatever they call it, like phishing or something like that. And, um, entered my credentials and, lo and behold, got hacked, all this stuff started happening to me. And then I went back and looked at that very email. And if I would have just read through it more, I noticed all the grammatical errors and things of that nature, which I'm sure they're a lot better at hiding that, but they were like misspelling, like very commonplace, um, you know, words and things like that. And uh, nowadays are the hackers a lot more educated in that realm Sometimes, sometimes not. Um, you're right. Like sometimes it's really easy to spot because there's all kinds of grammatical errors or the sentence doesn't make sense. You know, um, you know, there's, there's things like that, that you can, you can see that, you know, you, you'll know right off the bat, Hey, this is probably not legit because, you know, Apple or or Google or whoever, you know, they're not going to make those, those types of grammatical, um, errors in your emails. Right. So, um, but however, they, they have gotten a lot better and there are some that I've seen that they're, they're pretty dang good. Yeah. I've, um, I was reading a news article the other day and this, uh, lady lost $20,000 out of her account and it was some, some bank website and it was like the whole website was built and it looked legit. Like it was like 
almost like a copy paste of like a Wells Fargo website. But if you scroll to the bottom, that's where you would start to see the mistakes. Like the links wouldn't take you anywhere, page not found, stuff like that. So is part of your job educating the employees at your places on things to watch out for? Or are you more just cleaning up messes as they come in? Um, one of the best things that we can do is, is, is training. Um, so, and then to, to what you were talking about, a lot of times these hackers will go and they'll scrape the website is what it's called. Um, some websites have protections against that. Um, but you know, they'll scrape the website and, and that's basically they're making a image, a copy of that website. And so it does, it looks exactly like the website should, but it doesn't function more, a lot of times it won't function like it should either. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but yeah, I mean, they're, they've gotten really good. Um, but yeah, the, the one thing that the best thing that you can do is to train your users, show them the things that you can watch out for to say, Hey, this is, this is not legit. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is to, to make sure that the user reports it, because if we don't know about it, then, you know, we can't do anything about it. So, and that same email could have been sent to two, 300 users. And it always, unless, unless you report it, then, you know, you can't trust that the next person down the line is going to report it. Exactly. So you've got to take action. You've got to report it. And then we can go and we can take a look and we can say, okay, we can pull up and, and see, okay, this email went to, to this user and this user and this user. Um, we know this person, you know, reported it, didn't click anything. And a lot of times we can see, see clicks on links as well. If you, if you have a good system that rewrites the, the links within emails, like you'll see if a user clicked it or not. And then, um, you know, a lot of times we'll pull all the emails and make sure that nobody else clicks it. So, so in general, most companies have most reputable mid to large size companies have a dedicated group of professionals like yourself that work to around the clock to make sure that their systems are secure. Um, are these large groups of people or do you work alone for your company? Are you like the sole security guy or is there, do you have a whole team? Um, I'm fortunate that I work with a team, um, but we also do have a, what's called an MSP, um, a managed service provider um, that they, when we're off the clock, they help us watch. Gotcha. So, And is it something that keeps you relatively busy throughout the week that you're just always tracking down and keeping the company safe or do you have a lot of downtime as well um it ebbs and flows um, based there, on there are some weeks that yeah it's it's like non-stop and there's you know somebody clicked a, a link here or you know this email was detected that had a malicious link in it or this person downloaded this you know so it, we're putting out fires sometimes and then other times it's kind of slow yeah. So another thing I've noticed is, and I notice this with a lot of the uh, people I work with, I work with a primarily aging population. They're most of the employees at my workplace are probably 50, 60, 70 years old. And a lot of the times they use the same password for everything. 
And I'm always telling them, don't do that. And they're like, well, I can't remember my password. I'm like, yeah, but if you get hacked and you lose that one password, those hackers are going to go out there in my mind and try your password and credentials on multiple different devices. And that's what they do a lot of times. Yeah, I remember that the major way I got hacked was through that um, Apple link that I got. And then it was three days later, they hacked into my uh, Uber account. And that's how I figured out that I was compromised because I had a charge come out of Russia, San Francisco, and like New York. And all of a sudden I had like thousands of dollars in Uber. Uh, Yeah. I was like, what the hell? So I'm like trying to turn my card off as all these charges are coming through. And then it's so frustrating because like companies like Uber and these like app based companies that we used getting into their customer service is almost impossible. Like I couldn't find any phone number to call. I had to use their little message based system. And eventually, thankfully, but it was like two weeks later, they kind of got back to me. But by then my bank had actually refunded those charges or disputed them or whatever. But I'm always telling people do not use the same password for every website, like change that stuff up and don't use like easily guessed passwords either. Um, do you guys have like a standard at your work for passwords? Cause I know that's an irritating thing for everyone nowadays. Cause you go to put in a password. It's like, Oh, you need a special character. You need, uh, you know, this many letters, this many uppercase, this many lowercase. Do you guys do that at your place? Um, we do. Um, we do have those, those standards and those policies in place. Um, but the thing that we tell our users is to use what we call a passphrase. Um, and so I, I try to keep my, my passwords anywhere from 24 to 32, 32 characters. Um, so that's, that's quite long. Um, you know, and it, that, that can get pretty hard to remember, but if you use a passphrase, like for instance, this is going to be a short one, but the camel oinks. Okay. It's a really stupid phrase. Doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. Yeah. But you know, you can, you can take words and you can put different words together, something in in a order that you'll remember that makes a long password that, you know, you can have some, some capitals in there. You could capitalize every word if you wanted to. The first letter of every, of, of, of every, every, of every word. Yeah. Um, you know, and then just, you could put a digit somewhere in there, but you know, when you think about it that way though, it makes it a lot easier to remember a long, long password because, you know, you can think of that phrase. Now you yourself not trying to like self incriminate or anything along those lines, but I would think is like police officers, they put themselves undercover in those worlds and things. Do cybersecurity professionals like you, do you guys also learn how to hack in order to better protect your end users? Um, I'm of the opinion that uh, I can't adequately or I can't protect my organization if I don't know what the hackers are doing. Gotcha. So a lot of times I'll go to... Um, different hacking conferences. Um, I I wouldn't. I, I'm not anywhere near like a, a badass, you know, hacker or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But 
you know, I, I do know some things and I try to stay up to date on what, what they're doing and, and on the outside. And, and so that way I can better protect the organization that I work for. Gotcha. Now, when, when we're being hacked by whoever out there in the digital space, it can come from Russia, China, India, America, all this. Do you find that hackers are working more organized like for a hacking company or are they usually like the lone wolf that is doing this and selling the information on the black market? Um, I think it varies. I mean, there are some groups that are out there. Um, there's some Russian groups, some North Korean groups. Um, but you can also find some of the, you know, one, two, three, you know, hackers out there as well. So, yeah. And it's, it's such a crazy thing because so much, all of our currency nowadays is digital. I mean, we still have paper money, but not a lot of us are using it. I always get scared of using like those tap to pays and like using your credit cards at like gas pumps because they put those, what are they? They're like little readers or something mm-hmm. that like steal your information. And it's just, it seems like it's getting more and more and more intricate on the protection side, but also on the hackers side as well. Um, as a professional, you say that you keep up on this stuff. So there's, it's a constant learning environment. You're constantly, yeah, you can't just stay stagnant in this type of field. No, that's why I go to conferences, conferences every year, because, you know, you have to stay up to date. If you don't, you're going to be left in the dust. Gotcha. So now for getting away from the company side of things, as an individual, like you yourself, are there things that you do to better protect your information out there? Like, I know I always hear these things like VPNs, things of that nature and firewalls and all this stuff. I don't understand any of that. What are some basic steps people can take on their computers and phones to keep themselves better protected? Well, I would say, you know, for, for one, make sure that you keep your, your computer up to date. Um, you know, install updates when they, they come down, um, Make sure that whatever programs you're using, browsers, Chrome, Edge, you know, whatever that may be, you know, check for updates every now and then and make sure that, you know, you're using the latest version. Um, Update your phone. As he looks at Jessica over here that is working on an unupdated phone. (laughs) (laughs) I always see those in the updates. So it's like most of it's not even changing the parameters of the phone, but it's like security updates. So mm-hmm. that's changing yep. stuff in the background of the programming, right? Yeah. Cause they probably get wind of, okay, these hackers are trying this, this, and this now we need to update to put in place blocks for that. Yeah. What- and there's, there's been a few of them that have been really bad that, you know, it's, you know, that you get a message sent to your phone and you know, they can own your phone. Really? You click on a link and, your phone is owned. Wow. It's, and, so and you probably don't even know. What's that? You probably don't even know when like. You may or may not. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing, you know, to make sure that you, you install those updates because, you know, th- there's been a lot of different security updates and not all of them are that bad, but there have been a few in the past couple of years that they are that bad. Gotcha. Um, explain to me, because I always see these on computers. What the heck is a firewall? Because a firewall to me is 
a wall of fire, but you always see those on computers, like a firewall. Is that a security measure? It is. Yes. And so like the best way I can, I can explain it is okay. Say take your, your home router, your home firewall, for instance, um, it's going to allow traffic out so you can get out to, to the internet and to sites, but it's not going to allow traffic back in. And that so, would, that would come from people trying to access your information through your router and things of that nature. Gotcha. So is the firewall installed in a router or is that on each device? Um, most, most of your, your routers nowadays, your home routers and stuff, they're going to have some sort of function, uh, some sort of firewall function built in. Gotcha. Now, on the terms of a VPN, because I'm always getting emails like, get this VPN, be untrackable, and blah, blah, blah. What the heck is a VPN? Well, VPN is a, a virtual private network, and what these are doing is you can um, anonymize your, your internet traffic so that um, a lot of times... Uh, your where you're what sites you're visiting um what uh you're buying what you're looking at they're they're looking at all that kind of stuff so that they can can send you advertisements that you know you're more likely to look at or more likely to buy that sort of thing so a vpn can um more anonymize your traffic to where you know advertisers can't pick up on that kind of stuff yeah, because we we have become like everyone, you know, Facebook is free, Twitter is free, Instagram is free, but not really. You are being, uh, you are the product to these companies because that that's one thing that drives me nuts is I'll, I swear, I'll, I don't use Google anymore, but even when I look up something with like DuckDuckGo, that's kind of my search engine that I use. It doesn't matter. Like five minutes later, it's like, oh, look, now I'm getting all of these ads for this product I looked up. And it will be like a product I'll look up on my computer. And then now I'm looking at something on my tablet or my phone. And it's like advertisement, advertisement, advertisement. And it just, I can see where that VPN would be useful if that type of stuff truly annoys you. But are they as, are they worth that monthly fee that you pay? Because some of them aren't, aren't that cheap. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's like, what is it worth to you? You know, do you yourself run a VPN? Um, I don't, um, but I have a more advanced firewall at home oh, than, than most. most people. Yeah. I would imagine so, your like home I, stuff is locked up. Yeah. I mean, I, I can do like ad blocking and all that kind of stuff and, and do like a lot of times when you go to a website, you have to do what's called a DNS lookup. Um, which translates that www.whatever.com into an IP address, and then you're actually going to the IP address. Well, a lot of times the advertisers can pick up on that DNS because that DNS is not encrypted, and they can say, oh, well, you visited this site, you know, so I'll give you an ad for this. Um, you can do stuff like and, and encrypt your DNS traffic. You know, there, there's all sorts of different things that you can do to, to minimize all that. So me personally, no, I don't, I don't run a VPN. Um, I don't really feel like, like I need to. Gotcha. Is there, um, is there a search engine out there that you primarily use? Like I remember I used to use Google religiously and then I kind of got away from Google 
due to some of the things I had read and like company policies and things like that. And so I use that DuckDuckGo search engine. Um, is there one that you find that you use or do you just use Google yourself? Um, I mainly just use, use Google. Um, but I would say beware of the sponsored links. Um, there have been a few instances within the past few years that even a sponsored link can be a malicious link. Oh, really? Um, so just be careful of that. Don't click on the sponsored links, scroll down further, um, till you, you get to a, a link that Google's actually giving you mm-hmm. um, to click on and to, to visit rather than clicking on a sponsored link. Explain some of these terms to me because I've heard these terms a lot too, like Trojan horse, malware. What are those? Um, like a Trojan horse is more like a, is can be like a backdoor um, into your computer. Um, it can be um, hidden in a, in a, a payload, um, a download that you download from somewhere. Um, and that you, you know, it could be hidden within some software that you wanted. So you download it, you install it. It was hidden within that, that download that you, you, you got down and then it installs on your computer and then someone has a backdoor into your computer. Gotcha. And malware, is that kind of the same thing or is that different? Um, I think malware, there, there's two different terms that, that I generally use is, uh, malware and then there's the, there's ransomware as well. Um, that's the one where they uh, encrypt your your files or you know something of that nature, and they hold you for ransom to to get your your files or your system back. Oh, like say we're send you an email, then like we got this, you're going to give us this much money before, or we're going to release it to the public, things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. I see. I always see like. Um, news stories of Senator so-and-so's computer got hacked or their phone got hacked and now they are being attacked just in that nature of like, ooh, we're going to leak all this stuff. Um, do you think nowadays people are giving away too much information online through social media means? Mm, I would say, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I would concur with you. It's It's funny that people are all so private, but they share stuff nowadays like, crazy as well oh, yeah no i have like i am on facebook because mm-hmm. um, i you know we use it to to see things from family all that kind of stuff um but like i have it locked down where you know if you're not my friend you can't see anything um if you're not my friend uh or a friend of one of my friends you can't you can't send me a, a friend request if you're not you know somewhere close in there. Mm-hmm. So you can't just find me on Facebook out of the blue. How do you feel? Cause you're a father. How do you feel about, uh, the use of social media with children nowadays? It scares me. It scares me a lot. Um, especially having a daughter. Yeah. So I'm trying to keep her away from it for as long as possible. So do you allow your daughter any social media or have you kind of tightened that up? Because I know like, Working in education, I hear these kids talking all the time. They got TikTok, they got Instagram, they got all these, you know, different social media platforms. And then I don't think they understand how easily they can be manipulated, especially females, into, oh, come meet with me at this parking lot or whatever. I'm this Mm -hmm. 14-year-old boy. And then it turns out that it's a 37-year-old freak. Yep. 
No, there's, there's definitely those dangers. Um, you know, my daughter has a phone, um, but she has no social media. Um, she can text her phone's locked down where she can only text either, um, people she knows, or if it's a, a group text, there has to be at least one contact that is in her phone in order to be, in order to be able to, to text back and forth in that group. Now you as a, a parent, do they, cause I don't have to worry about this. I just have dogs and they don't have cell phones or anything <laughs> like that. But, um, do you have like a, a back way into your child's phone where you can, um, view what they're looking at from your phone or do you have to get her phone from her to see what messages have been coming in and things of that nature? Um, you can see some things through screen time. Um, screen time will, will show you like what she's been browsing. Um, if you have it set up, um, you know, I have her phone set up where she, she can't even install anything. She has to ask me for approval to install the app and that's when I review it. Um, which that just came up just recently. She wanted to install CapCut, um, I think was the, the name of the application, which is, is made by, um, the parent company of, of TikTok. Um, which, you know, what the app does, the video editing, it's, it's not bad in itself. And she, you know, told me all her friends have it, you know, she really wants it. Um, and that it's not social media, and you can't connect to social media. But, you know, before I approved it, I downloaded it myself. I took a look at it. I found that, you know, it's, you can connect it to social media. You can connect it to, you know, your Facebook, TikTok. Um, you can even create an account with just your, your phone number. Um, and then I found out there's also a chat that you can do within CapCut. And that's the scary thing. There. And that's the scary thing. And that's why eventually I said, no, I'm not going to let you get this app. I'm sorry. I know your friends have it. You know, there's that peer pressure there. But, you know, I don't know and can't see who you're talking to on that app. And so that that scares me. Um, but then, too, I also, you know, when I when I do have my daughter, um, I have a program on my computer that I, I back her phone up to and then I can every so often review and it's not to be intrusive or to, you know, see everything that she's doing. But, you know, I think as a parent, you know, being responsible, you know, it, it, it's the responsible thing to do to, to check on your child every now and then. It is. It's, I mean, I can only imagine, um, because back when you were growing up, uh, your girlfriend was growing up, I was growing up, stranger danger was just the strangers on the corner and things of that nature. And now, that's not how these kids are getting child sex trafficked or picked up. I'm not going to say that kidnappings don't happen, but there's this huge whole other, I mean, you see it in the news all the time, girl kidnapped, girl raped, boy kidnapped, boy raped. And it all starts and stems from some social media interaction with someone who they thought was someone they weren't. And I also, to your point, I can only imagine, and you probably have to deal with this because your daughter is going into like junior high, right? Or coming up into that? She's she's in junior high now. In junior high now? Or, yeah. And that in itself, you have um, that peer pressure and that, well, my friends have it. Why can't I have it? Is your daughter pretty understanding when you explain to her or do you get a lot of the backlash still? Uh, there, especially with CapCut, there was, there was a lot of backlash with it, but... You know, to, to protect my child and and not, 
have to to worry about those kind of things happening with her. I'm okay with that. Yeah. So she can be mad at me. It's okay. You can be the bad guy as long as you know at the end of the day you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Going forward, do you see the digital space and the digital universe that's ever expanding and ever growing, do you see like possibly AI taking over a lot of the security uh, jobs with this? Or do you think it's going to be run still by humans? Because AI is pushing into every field and it is just insane the fields that it's cutting jobs away from. Do you think uh, cybersecurity information, all that, do you think that's still generally safe? Or do you ever have like a little voice in the back of your head saying you might be replaced by a computer to do your jobs? You know, I, I think AI could possibly, you know, do some of the stuff that we do in the future. Um, I don't think it's going to be anytime, anytime soon. At least I don't think that's, this is just my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, we still have to do as humans. We still have our intuition, our instincts, um, you know, and that's AI. I, I don't know. I mean, it could get there, could be that, I don't know. But I think for right now, there's a lot of things that it can help us with, um, you know, help us better keep track of things, um, you know, find threats, find vulnerabilities, you know, all those sort of things, you know, it can be a great asset for us. Um, but replacing us, I, I think that's a, a ways off. A ways off. Yeah. Or if it happens at all. Are hackers using AI on their end to try and get into people's, you know, personal um, lives? I can bet you they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee they are. Yeah, I can only imagine. It's just watching the fast pace of technology from, I was uh, looking just not too long ago at like a timeline of video games. And I was down in Dallas and I went to this uh, video game museum down there and I was just like looking at the Ataris and all those all the way up to now what's computing. And it's just in that short span of time, we've had this massive hyperspeed technology boom. And part of me is like, that's super cool. But part of me is like, when's Terminator coming? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, but I don't think it will be like Terminator in the sense of like a T-1000 or T-800 walking around. I fear AI things not being able to be deciphered whether it's a real person or an artificial intelligence made thing like oh uh, yeah i mean look at the deep fakes that that are out there right now so yeah i was just about to say they literally i've i've listened to podcasts like we could be ai right now of two people you think are the people having a conversation and it's actually an ai podcast or even videos like you said with the deep fake stuff like they'll do like a newscast and you're like, oh, I can't believe Trump said that or Biden said that or whatever. And then it's actually not them. It's like yeah. their face superimposed on someone else and everything. It's just, well, even actors and actresses are, are I was reading something um, not too long ago that, you know, com uh, these, these movie studios and, and whatnot are using um, AI voices 
to replace them. You know, so it sounds like them. And they're like, well, hey, wait a minute. You know, what am I getting for the, for, for you using my voice? Yeah. The light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually, um, reading an article the other day and it was, it was kind of like top jobs being replaced by AI. And one of them was narration, like those audiobooks and stuff. If I was a narrator, I would be a little worried because you can just plug that into the computer and there you go. And so I always worry about like these AI, not in sense, like I know it's coming, like even like these artificial intelligent trucks and things delivering goods across the country. Everyone tells me that's, that could never happen. Like these truckers, I'm like FedEx, UPS, all these companies aren't putting millions and millions of dollars into this to have it fail. They want it to succeed. So I worry that like, we're going to come to a place soon where you're going to have like technological unemployment where we're going to have more people out of jobs because the AI has taken those jobs. And then I'm like, what are those people going to do for work? You ever have that fear? Like AI is going to take my job? Not yours in particular, but just like the general masses of people. Like we've watched over the years how like cashiers and stuff Mm -hmm. are like you go into like Walmart, this Walmart, local Walmart grocery store, there's one cashier there and the rest are all just these, you know, scan it yourself and get out of there. And just the massive amount of people, and I don't say unskilled labor in a disparaging way, but just people that don't have high amounts of education being replaced by technology. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely going to happen. Um, you know, even in manufacturing, there's going to be some jobs that, you know, get replaced by machines and AI and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I don't think it's it's out of the, the realm of possibility. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that it has advanced even in our lifetime. And so... You know, for somebody to say that's not possible, well, you know, there's a lot of things that weren't possible, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, we didn't think we'd go to the, well, I still don't think we went to the moon. That's my huge huge conspiracy (laughs) theory. I think that's all a bunch of bullcrap. Jessica's looking at me like I'm crazy, but I don't. (laughs) That's the one conspiracy that I, I don't latch on to the 9-11 conspiracy. I don't let, but I'm like, you're telling me they broadcast this news live thing of the moon landing in what the sixties was that when we went to the moon Yeah, the sixties I half the time my TV won't work you know I don't know well then the question is do you think we're going back to the moon I think well or it's it's going to be the first time so Japan actually just uh landed people or a uh like a rover on the moon like last week I've seen that and their rover made it like two days before it failed. And yeah, I think I remember something about them shutting the batteries down or something to try and save it. Yeah. I, I think we will definitely go to the moon and to Mars. And I do believe we've been there with like rovers and things, but me, myself, I can't, I can't grasp the whole, we put a man on the moon. People think I'm crazy for it, but I'm like, I don't know, man. I think it was in a studio out in the Southern desert of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me, myself, though. They like, do film a lot of stuff here. Like, oh, Utah is huge for filming. Have you ever been down to um, the Bentonite Hills where they have that Mars Research Center? Mm-mm. 
that's a very interesting place. I went there last year, about a year ago to this day, and I was like, I could totally see how they could make this look like Mars. And they have like the, um, I don't know, like a, a base out there and it totally looks like Mars. And it was funny. I was out there with a um, friend of ours and we were flying drones and you can fly drones legally out there but there's like a big no fly zone over this base and she was flying her drone and kind of had lost track of it and like put the camera to face down and she was right above that base. I was like, great. Now we're going to have these guys come in black sedans that don't have any license plates. We're going to get locked up and get taken away and we're never seeing our families again, which obviously didn't happen. But yeah, Utah's got a vast landscape and I don't know. My little conspiracy on that is we faked it, but who knows? you have any conspiracies that you can subscribe to? Mm. Or do you think they're all just craziness? I don't know. I, I don't think I have any conspiracies that I... I always entertain the ideas of conspiracies just because really I, I find them entertaining, but I don't believe all of them, like the flat earthers. I'm like... Oh, I, I definitely find them interesting. So, like, I'll read about them or, or watch a show about them, you know, that sort of thing, but I don't, I don't put much stock into them. Gotcha. Well, hey, Michael, I want to thank you very much for coming on and kind of educating us on some of these uh, ways that hackers can hack into not only companies, but our own personal things. Um, Is there any last little bit of advice that you would give to anybody that this is the simplest thing you can do, start doing it today to further protect your information? Um, so the thing that I would add, and I, I should have, uh, talked about this a little bit earlier, but you know, you talked about how, you know, people have a hard time remembering, remembering their passwords and they use the same password for everything. Um, one recommendation, one recommendation that I would have is to use a, a password manager. Um, one I use is, is called Bitwarden. Um, and so for me, like, I don't, I don't even know what my password is for, you know, all my, all the sites that I I go to and use. Um, So what this password manager does is you have one password that is your master password. um, And that's the password, the one password that you have to remember. Um, And they have plugins that you can use on your browser and they can generate passwords for you um, for the different sites that you, you go to and you use. And they can generate, you know, really long, passwords, um, for, for all of those. And so you use that, um, you got, just got to remember that one master password and then you can have different passwords for all your different sites and keep them a lot more secure. And that's called what again? That's a a password manager, password manager. The one I use is called Bitwarden. And I think doesn't Apple have their own like keychain or something they call it. There's keychain. Um, I mean, there, there's quite a few different ones that are out there. Yeah. I've, you know, that's one thing I haven't used because I always thought, well, what if they get the one password, my master password, and then all my other passwords are compromised, aren't they? Or are they not? Um, well, so a lot of times what they do is they will encrypt your your passwords, your password vault client side, um, and then they, uh, they, they encrypt it and then they hash it. And, and do all these things that make sure that, you know, nobody can, can get break, into that, get into that. So, I mean, it's possible. It's never impossible. Um, but the likelihood is very, that 
it's very slim. Yeah, I think um, there was a a crime here in Utah um, that maybe people aren't familiar with, but Josh Powell and Susan Powell. And I remember I was listening to a podcast and I think to this day they've employed hackers to try and get into it, the government and everything, and they've still not been able to get into his computer because it's so encrypted on a level that they're just like, we don't know how to get into this thing. Hmm. And then I I remember also like the federal government was almost like levying something against Apple in the sense of like, you need to tell us how to get into these phones. And they were like, no. So yeah, seems like it's uh, maybe I'll start doing that. So password managers, it's a password number one managers. Thing. And then also use MFA where you can. And MFA so, is uh, multi-factor authentic- authentication. So it can be anything from um, a text with a code in it. Um, or there's authenticator apps. Um, Google has an has a authenticator app that you know has uh, codes that rotate every so often. Um, you can use those. Um, anything MFA is better than nothing. Is that kind of like? Um, is this a little different? But that two two factor whatever they mm-hmm. call that, where it's like you get the code sent to your phone, then you have to put it into the password site to get into that. Yeah, SMS. Uh, text messaging for for two FA um, two factor authentic- authentication is it's not the best, but I would say it's better than nothing. Better than nothing. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and giving us um, some insight into the cybersecurity world, or what you call it, the professional term is information security. Information security. Everyone, this has been Michael and me, Marcus. And like I always say at the end of these, be happy, humble, and humorous out there and treat each other kindly. We'll catch you on the next one. Ta-da.